Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with public speaker, author, entrepreneur, non-executive director, and angel investor, Gary Mansell. He is a UK-based seasoned entrepreneur and business leader with over 40 years of experience in procurement, supply chain management, systems development, and entrepreneurship. Gary has built and led thriving businesses throughout his career, leveraging his extensive knowledge and expertise to create innovative solutions to diverse industries. His first business, Freight Traders, was launched during the dot-com boom in 1999 and quickly became one of Europe's leading freight exchanges. He's got a great story. Enjoy this interview. Gary! Hi, Joe. How are you? What's up? How you doing? I'm good, thank you, my friend. Nice yeah, to meet you. you. And good to meet you as well. So where are you coming out of? Um, I'm actually in a really tiny village in Norfolk in the UK. Okay, wonderful. So about 40 miles north of Cambridge and about 40 miles west of Norwich. For okay. For those of your, your, you and your listeners who know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I've, I actually, the only time I've been in the UK was right after 9-11 happened, I was in Europe backpacking, and I had uh-huh. to find a way home because my flight from uh, Paris to Kansas City just didn't exist anymore. Yeah, everything stopped, didn't it? Man, so I had to go under the English Channel, get to Gatwick. I drank gin and tonics the whole time I was on that train. I get out, I get in a cab, we're on the wrong side of the street, and I keep thinking this guy's trying to kill me. <laughs> well he could well have been trying to do that still <laughs> we don't know right that that part of it could still be lingering but it just felt like a hemingway novel i'm racing to get home this guy's on the wrong side of the street and i kept telling him look dude you got to forgive me i'm i have been on the other side of the street my whole life in america so <laughs> yeah I, I know the feeling the first time i drove in the states it was okay i give in i actually drove into the the uh the car park of a walmart and asked the greeter how i could get back to the hotel <laughs> it was great yeah. he, he almost got to the point of going okay look i'll get in and drive you you're clearly stupid <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man well hey it's great to meet you and before we get into your life you know, I'm going to talk about another calamity. We brought up 9-11. I brought it up. But we went through COVID. The last three years has been quite trying. How did you get through that time period? And how has it changed the way that you do things now? Oh, well, I mean, I, I literally had sold the last business where I was working full time in 2016, 2017. And I was basically working and, and starting to do work as an angel investor and doing things like that. And then, as you know, you know everywhere just stopped. And yeah, I, I really was going from, you know, kind of a quarter of a million air miles a year to nothing overnight almost. And I had an incredibly tolerant wife because, you know, we've been married for a lot of years now. And a lot of the time I was away, it's probably the reason why we were married so long. Um, and literally it was bang, you're at home. What are you doing? And of course, I mean, things like this, you know, suddenly everybody was on Zoom and I, I've been used to, to, you know, teleconferencing, teleconferencing a lot. But what I did is I started to distill my thoughts. I actually started to, to write substacks. Yeah. Just kind of blog posts in effect. Uh, and where that came from was I'd started to work with other people who were building businesses. Um, I found out they were always asking me the same questions. And I thought to myself, well, if they're asking, asking me the same questions, maybe the best thing to do is just dump, dump my brain into something. Yeah. So I started to write these substacks and actually the substacks, when they all came together by the end of COVID or, you know, the end of the lockdowns, 
there was about 70,000 words there. And it became obvious and went, ah, it's a book. The problem then was going, how the heck do I take all of these disparate things that are talking about entrepreneurship and make them into a book? Um, and that's actually how the first one came about. But yeah, I, I basically spent lockdown writing and then talking to friends and, uh, you know, just doing the things that we all did, you know, making banana bread and trying to stay out of my wife's way so that well, I'd stay married. <laughs> so you've had quite an esteemed business career. So I want to get kind of the essence of what you do now. If you were in front of a bunch of third graders or grade school kids at a career day and one of the kids looks up and says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? Um, I'd say I, I do three things. I stand in front of people like you and talk about all sorts of topics, about the things you can do with your life and, and how you can make that easier. Um, I write books to help people build their own businesses. And because I got lucky and I built a business that enabled me to get wealthy, um, I then started, and I, what I do now is I invest that money into other people's businesses to help them grow and hopefully to make me a little more money as well. That's wonderful. So that's the thing I, I find the most interesting about business is there's a lot of people that do the same thing. And it really is a good thing because people have great ideas and people need capital and it's a mutually beneficial world to be in. Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I, I actually believe you should give back. Yeah. I mean, we all work hard. Some of us get lucky with some of the breaks we get. A lot of people I know start to build their businesses and then still can a one in 20 or even less are successful. But for whatever reason, I was successful. And it was really great to work with a bunch of really smart people. And I mean, what I do now as well is all the people that worked in the companies I worked in, I'm still in touch with them. And yeah, I try and find them other jobs when they're looking, when they're looking bored or when they're looking for moves. Or, you know, people talk to me and say, well, you know, what, what's she like or what's he like? Um, you should be doing these things. You know, it's, you only get one go at this. You get one life and it's, it's better to be kind of nice about it and kind about it rather than be, well, yeah, I won't say it, but yeah, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> because, because I don't know whether you've got a bleep machine or not, but you know, you know what yeah. I'm getting at. Totally. So let me ask you this. When you were, uh, like in the 10 to 12 year old rage, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, when I was, when I was, I think when I was eight, I'll go back a little bit about it. I wanted to be a vet because I loved animals. And then by the age of 10, I realized that actually part of the job of a vet is you have to put animals to sleep. And, you know, it was kind of, I didn't get it at that stage. That was the kind thing to do. So that, that went out the window. And then from about 10 to 12, like all young boys in the UK, I wanted to be a footballer. Um, bless you. And I was, uh, I was a lot thinner then. Um, so that kind of helped and I wasn't bad. Um, but I was never going to make it as a footballer, but I used to love writing as well. So I had this idea of becoming a sports journalist. Um, yeah. so that's what I wanted to do first of all. Interesting. That's how I started out in journalism. I got into sports journalism and, um, I basically was a stat guy in the beginning and, and learned my way through. So it was, it, it was fun. It was a good time. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to have done that. I mean, it, uh, basically, I guess, cause the idea of watching soccer and cricket all yeah. year and somebody else paying for it seemed like a really good idea. Are you kidding? Yeah. That's the thing too. I remember I used to go and get autographs for them from the baseball players at the stadium. And I used yeah. to see the media come out with their passes and I was like, God, how cool would that be? 
And when I was in college, I got to do the same thing, you know, and got to mill around and kind of do that. And it was fun. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this. You, you, you clearly have these seeds of motivation in you. You're successful. So I'm curious, what was the timeline? Where were you born and raised and how did these seeds get planted in you early on to become who you are today? Um, well, I was born in Northwest London in, in a place called Wembley. Um, some people will know it because that's where our national stadium is. Um, yeah. and it, you know, if, if, if you watch the FA Cup or something in soccer, um, that's, that's where it comes from. Um, I have an uncle, uh, who basically always ran his own businesses. And uh, I used to, I realized now it was slave labor in my case. You know, he'd bring home stuff that was part of his business and he'd have me like peeling, peeling stuff off of, it was a, it was a paint spraying business. And I'd sit there and talk to him and he had me working. So was it slave labor? No, I guess I was getting good advice for my, for my efforts. Um, and he did turn around to me early on and said, you know, you're never going to get really wealthy and get the freedom you need if you work for somebody else. You need to, you need to work for yourself if that's what you really want. And that stuck in my mind from about the age of eight or nine, because I never liked being told what to do. I was always one of these kids who, if somebody told me to do something, I'd try and do exactly the opposite, even though it was going to be bad for me, probably. Um, and that hasn't changed too much, if the truth be known. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where the seed started. But then it, it was always there. And I was, I never found the idea. I never found the thing I wanted to do. And, you know, the sports journalism didn't happen. And I ended up of all things doing a degree in chemistry because it was just interesting and I could do it. And it was, it was fun to do. Um, but then after I graduated, I found out there was, there was no money in chemistry. Um, well, not at the time. Um, and so therefore it was a case of where do I go now? So then I got into systems and I became a programmer and what was then called a systems analyst and doing work of that nature, um, business systems manager. And in 1984, I got headhunted and I joined Mars Incorporated, uh, in the UK originally. Um, and they're, a, you probably know, of course, being an American company, they're, they're family owned, the Mars family owned them. And they are incredibly entrepreneurial, fabulous company to work for. And I got to know the family because as I rose up the ranks, you tend to, to meet the family more and more. And you realize actually, it is possible to go and do something, to go and do something else, to work for yourself and, and really to create that kind of freedom that you get when you work for yourself. Because at the end of the day, you know, the, the one thing you know when you're working for yourself is you're never going to get fired. Yeah. 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 You may actually sit down once a year and have this kind of schizophrenic review of yourself <laughs> in your annual review where you tell yourself how good you've been or how bad you've been, but you're not going to fire yourself. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's, it's guaranteed employment until it goes wrong and then you have to start something else. Yeah. So a long way around to answer the question, but it started early and then it got kind of reinforced. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about you saying, you know, not making enough money and chemistry and these things in America, there's a lot of these breweries, microbreweries that have popped up. Yeah. And I've discovered that a lot of engineering and chemistry students are the ones that are doing it because they're already drinking beer in college. Okay. Yeah. They know how this works from a molecular level and they just get good people around them that know business and boom, there you go. Well, you know, the, the true confession time is the final year of a four year honors degree in chemistry. You end up having to do a project in the UK at my university. There were a bunch of projects 
And one of them was making shampoo and selling it. And I actually got the team that we built a brewery and sold the, sold the beer we made into the student union. Um, so yeah, I was, I was on the microbrewery thing right from the start. That's wonderful. Um, I've actually, yeah, sorry, carry on. Oh, no, no, you're good. I mean, I subsequently I've invested in a business just like that with four guys who are chemists and engineers who started a microbrewery off in the West country uh, in the UK. Um, Oh, it's, it's doing okay. It's never going to, it's never going to make a fortune, but you know, it sells well in, in the region. And yeah. at Christmas, they send me a, a box of beer. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's yeah, wonderful. That's, okay. that's cool. No, that, that, that's great. It's great that they can find their own freedom and being business owners and, and get yeah. involved with something that, that works for people because they're everywhere. <laughs> um, so every day you wake up, you know, you have motivations, whether it's writing, you know, helping others start businesses. You're one that that's definitely improving people's lives. What is the motivation for you? What is it every day that gets you going and gets you through the day? I do really enjoy, I must admit, I really enjoy working with people um, and building businesses because I, truthfully, I get bored really easily. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I always say when, when people hire me as a non-exec in their business, look, you know, it's two years. You've probably drained me of anything useful within two years. Don't feel you have to keep me in the corner, like the, you know, going back to the veterinary, like the old dog and put me on a mat, you know, and feed me and take me out for a walk and things like that. No, shoot me. Yeah. Um, so what I really love doing is, is working with the companies I'm invested in and that there are about eight or nine of them at any one time. And literally I'm not one of these people who will ring them up and go, what's going on? Generally, I know during the day I'm going to get one or two calls from somebody who just wants advice, yeah, just wants some direction or guidance or, or just wants to chat for a while. Um, and if I'm not doing that, then I'll go out my wife somewhere. You know, we'll, we, we live not that far from the coast. We'll go up to the coast. We'll go and walk in the woods. Um, yeah, what motivates me, I think, is, is being able to wake up and go, today's going to be different from yesterday. And actually, I can choose what I want to do. Yeah. So in all of these ventures that you're involved with, what has been one of the best success stories? What's the one thing that always puts a smile on your face? Uh, that, that's, that's actually the last business I sold. Um, it was a, a software as a service technology business um, that was um, software that helped people, businesses buy everything that they needed to run and, and run their business, basically. And we had some great clients you know, all over the world. I mean, we were... We were embedded in places like Walmart and in Procter and Gamble and places like that. And what was really great about it was not only building it from the business that was when I, I first came into it was like turning over a revenue of about, well, less than half a million dollars a year. Yeah. To something we ended up selling for $46 million in the end. Um, and what was really tremendous about that is we, we, we never lost a person that we didn't kind of want to lose. Yeah. You know, every business goes through, I mean, it was a, it was a 10 year journey and every business goes through having to let people go at times because they just not a great fit, but nobody actually left the business because they were unhappy. The culture was great. We really had a good time doing it and we did it collaboratively, you know, so it wasn't so much at the end of the day, I was CEO. So the final decisions, if there was an impasse came down to me, but most of the time it was pretty collaborative. And interestingly, it was an Anglo Swedish business 
it, it was formed out of one of the Swedish universities. Um, and the Swedes are a really collaborative racing business. You know, you need to get agreement, otherwise it's not going to happen. And, and that taught me some great lessons. Um, but that's what I'm proudest of. I guess, I guess the, the, the impact of that is there were about 45 people of, of, I think there were 38 people in the end who were working there. And we'd spent 10 years helping them build their families and build their lives. And, you know, they pretty much all got a share of the proceeds when we sold the business. It was great. I mean, you know, one of the guys turned around and said, right, I'm now going to take the whole of my family, all the extended family and everybody else. We're going to go to Disneyland. We're going for two weeks and that's it. Yeah. That's how I'm going to spend my money. And, you know, others said, I'm going to pay off my mortgage and do things like that. So that's what, that's what makes me really proud, to be honest, is the fact that between us, we built something that not only was valuable and somebody wanted, but it provided all those lives and it provided all those jobs and the people went on to do great things as well. Some of them started their own businesses. Some of them, you know, stayed in the business we sold to and have built great careers there as well. So you've been on quite a ride in this life. And I'm curious of all of the wisdom you've gained, if you were to have a dream tonight, run into the 20 year old version of yourself and you could give that younger version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained. But what would you tell that young version of you? Whoa. I'd probably say, number one, things will work out, yeah? Because, you know, at 20, you're always thinking, where's this going to go? Where, where's this going to end up? What's going to happen? But I think the piece of advice I'll probably give myself is is show a bit more humility, yeah? Because that was one of my failings when I was that age, yeah? I was as arrogant as, <laughs> you know, um, I'd, I'd, I'd help people, but, you know, it was kind of, yeah, I mean, you know, at times I would be speaking down to people and I'd be speaking down to people who were older than me. The other thing, I guess, is I'd actually say, listen to some of the old people. Yeah, because yeah. I was I was the same as everybody. It's, it's, it's a bit like, you know, the old the old saying we have in the UK, get a teenager now while they know everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I was, by 20, I was still the same. I knew everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as a writer, what was the first book that you read that really, like, Click the light bulb on for you and made you love reading or wanted to, what made you want to write someday? Oh, um, there's, I mean, there, there's a, I, I can go back really to like childhood. I mean, I, I was very fortunate. My mum would sit with me and read. So by the time I got to school, I was reading, you know, four and a half. Um, and so therefore there, there was a, there was a really a kid's book called A Little Wooden Horse. And it was a story of a wooden horse that was alive. It's like a Pinocchio story when I was a child. And that always stayed with me. Um, but then things like, I mean, The Hobbit. I love reading Tolkien. I'm a big fantasy book reader. Um, but I tend, I tend now, and probably from about the age of 20, 22, 23, I don't read many stories. I kind of read June and things like that. But then I started reading people's autobiographies um and reading about people uh, and, and also reading about business because i was thinking to myself going back to those days with my uncle thinking what do i need to learn to actually give myself the freedom in the end that i can go and work somewhere else uh you know and i don't regret the the 20 odd years of corporate career i did either that taught me a massive amount so everyone out there has a perception of you there's all these pockets of people family friends um clients colleagues readers of your books but ultimately you are in control what's your perception of you who do you think you are oh <laughs> nobody's ever asked me that question before <laughs> i wow. hear that all the time 
Yeah. Good question. Thank you. Um, what's me? I think most people would say I'm successful. Um, I think they, they say that I, I listen well, but I'm kind. Yeah. That's, that's important to me is, is that people see me as kind. Um, doesn't mean I'm soft, uh, because I'll, I'll tell you when things are wrong and I'll tell you when you're doing stuff wrong. But yeah, I think, I think that's what I want to be known for really that I was, I was kind. And I mean, when, when, um, in that last business, I was talking about the company called trade extensions in Sweden. Um, something really moved me from the guy who'd actually founded it. And he was the, the chair professor of math and computing in Uppsala university. It's like, like Sweden's MIT. So massively intelligent, really big guy, big career. Um, and he had had this germ of an idea and he had the first pieces of that business being put together. Um, and I said to him, and his name is Arnie. And I said to him, Arnie, what is it you really want out of this business? Expecting him to say, well, I want to get really wealthy. And his answer was, I just want to create something which is really cool and changes the world and makes the world a better place. And I thought, I want to work with this guy. This is, this is so good. By the way, I mean, you're in Kansas, aren't you? In Missouri, Kansas, Missouri? Kansas City, Missouri, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, his introduction to me, and if we had more time, I'd probably tell the story in full. His introduction to me is he's a jazz trumpeter. So he's a brilliant mathematician, but he's a jazz trumpeter. And, and we did, we joined two companies together to form trade extensions. And we did the classic round the table. You know, what, what's, what are people famous for? What are they motivated by? And, and all the guys on this side from, from the, the, the trade extensions original company were all mathematicians and great scientists and things of that nature. And they all played musical instruments to a massive, massively good standard. Um, you know, but they were all really into jazz. And I have to confess, I'm not. Yeah. Or I wasn't, you know, I, I torment Army by going, look, I, I understand jazz. It's, it's all the notes, but in the wrong order. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And he's tried very hard, but you know, he, he literally did turn around to me and said, yeah, you know, that's what I want to do. And he was, you know, his, his other claim was he's the third best trumpeter in Sweden. And I'm thinking, I have no sphere of reference. I cannot judge that. <laughs> right. Are there only five trumpeters in Sweden? <laughs> I have no idea. Right. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he, he took me off to Ronnie Scott's jazz club in, in London. Yeah. Um, up, up, you know, in the, in the bar upstairs and basically he had his trumpet with him and he was basically invited to go and play at the, at the club. And I'm thinking, yeah, you must be good. I yeah. get it now. Yeah. I yep. get it. You made it if you're there. That's for sure. Exactly. So if anybody wants to learn more about you and what you do, get your books, where can they go? Best idea is my website. Um, and it, it's garymansell.com, but Gary is spelt with two R's. Probably because my mother was either having a joke or she'd been drinking the gin and tonics on the Euro <laughs> tunnel. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the one where, where people kind of get it wrong sometimes, but it's Gary with two R's, Mansell, GaryMansell.com. And it's got my blog on there and you can buy my books on there or it will, it will give you links to the, to the Amazon sites where you can buy the books. Excellent. Gary, yeah, I can feel the kindness, the altruism, the good. Thank you so much for opening up the door to your story. I really appreciate it. And best of luck with everything. You're welcome. Thank you. Can I ask a question? That artwork yes, behind you. Yeah. Is that the, is that the USA? Yes. Ah, 
You see, my wife's an artist and she does things very similar to that. Is, is that something you've done or a family yeah, member? That's what I did. My wife's a fifth grade teacher and it's in her room. Ah. So it's an original that I scanned. She got tired of my old logo. She was like, you got to come up with something else. So I'm like, all right. So I went through my work and I was like, I think this works and you're going to get the original in your room. So there we go. That's really cool. I've, yeah. I've only been to Kansas once and I remember it for lots of Kansas City, lots of fountains. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and, we are. And, the, and the jazz clubs. Yeah, we and the barbecue is wonderful. We are called the Paris of the Plains. We have, I think, the second most fountains in the world. Can so, believe it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's great, great, great place to be. I mean, I was there a few years back doing a presentation. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a, I was there for about three or four days. And, and I remember at least two of them. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's really kind of a jewel in the valley. You know, a lot of people don't know about it after they do come. They they feel its charms. So yeah, it's nice place. I, you know, I love where I live now. But that's one of the other places where I could easily live. Yeah, yeah, it's a wonderful place. Yeah, very affordable yeah. and good. So, but Gary, this has been great. Thank you so much for opening up. Best of luck with everything. Thank you, and thanks for inviting me on. And you know, if ever you get bored and you need to fill in one other day. Just give me a call. Yes, sir. I would love to. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Music.